You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now it's time to get to work. Welcome back to the MHR Radio Podcast with Adam Almaty and me, Ian St. Clair. Well, we had another historic loss. There's more awful history. So I know I've already been beat to the punch by multiple people on social media and Twitter, namely, but Adam. Yes. Has Vance Joseph been fired yet? <laughs> Sadly, no. Um, Why? Uh, I, cause I think actually I do think, cause at this point, what's the point? Uh, and maybe that's, that was something that I think Lori and I argued about when she was on the show a few weeks ago. And, uh, I think that's where John Elway is at. He's, what's the point? You fire him for what? And I know what the point is. The point is to send a message to people that this type of, uh, ineptitude will not be accepted by the Denver Broncos as a franchise, but apparently it will be accepted by the Denver Broncos as a franchise right now, and that is that's troubling to say the least. Just awful, right? Is that, is that the word? Which what word? Which terrible, awful, horrible, no good, very bad day word would we like to go with for for Broncos country right now? Humiliating. Ooh, that's an even. That's 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 just mean. Because think about it, the last two weeks. The Broncos have lost to the likes of the San Francisco 49ers and the Cleveland Browns. And at this point, the Cleveland Browns are a better football team than the Denver Broncos. Well, they have a quarterback of the future, and so that that immediately bumps you up, right? That immediately moves you ahead of teams that don't have a quarterback of the future. And I'm just going to say it. The Denver Broncos do not have a quarterback of the future. They have a quarterback of the right now, unfortunately. And, no, and, I don't even think they do. Have, I don't even think they have that. Well, I mean, who you, you're going to run? So who who would you run out there? I mean, they don't have. They don't really have a real backup. I can, I couldn't even tell you the backup quarterback's name right now. Isn't that Kevin Hogan? It is. I was trying. I was trying to Kevin Hogan. Yeah, I mean, I was trying to make a point, but okay, that's fine. <laughs> yes, it is Kevin Hogan. Fine, put in Hogan's heroes. I don't care. I, I really don't at this point. There's there's nothing moving forward this season. This team is is done. And the way that it happened against the, the Cleveland Browns is, I think you're right, the word is humiliating. You nailed it. That's the perfect word for the play of this franchise. And it's historic. I mentioned at the beginning of the show, and we touched on it on the preview podcast. And I touched on it on my weekly segment on uh, the local ESPN 1600 station. How we were worried that, that Vance Joseph was going to make history. Awful history. Chew on this. This is the first time the Denver Broncos have lost to the Cleveland Browns 
since October 8th, 1990. Dan Reeves was the head coach. I was nine years old. Nine. Yeah, I had just turned 10. Yeah. Bernie Kozar. Bernie Kozar was the Browns quarterback. Oh, Bernie. And now the Broncos are on the verge of even more awful history because now they have to win both of these games against the Oakland Raiders and Los Angeles Chargers to avoid being the first Broncos team since 1971-72 to have back-to-back losing seasons. So it's humiliating, but it's also historic. In a Vance Joseph horrible, awful way. Nailed it. I, I mean, we have we have endured a lot this season, and the, I think the worst part about it is, and, and you know, I wrote about it after the 49ers loss, and we talked about it on the podcast, and you wrote about it, and it, it was that that feeling of hope that sort of crept in and and I know some people will will say and 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 probably true that they didn't really feel it or they didn't really believe it. I did. I had bought in and I think a lot of people in Broncos country had started to buy in with the idea that hey, this team can win some games. They beat some good teams. I, I think that it's the NFL and any team on any given Sunday not to, you know, pound a cliche in there, but uh, any team on any given Sunday can win, but the truth of the matter is if you don't have a legitimate head coach who can control a franchise, if you don't have an offensive coordinator who knows how to call plays in crunch time and in in big moments, if you don't have a quarterback who is capable and confident, then you do not have a winning franchise. And you can have a, uh, you can have a million Von Millers and all of the sack records you want, but if you don't have a quarterback and you don't have a head coach, and you don't have an offensive coordinator, and you don't have someone to score points, you don't have a franchise that can win games. Let me be clear. This is not me saying that the Denver Broncos should trade Von Miller for a quarterback. I, I don't. That's not what I'm, what I'm getting at. What I am simply getting at is they have missed on the quarterback position at every turn since the departure of Peyton Manning. And I know it was just a few years ago, just three years ago. And how how quickly should we expect the turnaround? And not every team gets to go from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers or from Peyton Manning to Andrew Luck. I, I get that. But there is a lot of talent on this team that has been wasted and is being wasted in, a, in an era when they really could be winning some games. And... The worst part, and this this is the part that gets me the most, uh, this was more than just a winnable game. This was a game that the Broncos had all of the momentum. And then in one, one play, the momentum disappeared. And it it all stemmed from that Von Miller record, record-breaking sack. He gets the sack. He passes Simon Fletcher, the great Simon Fletcher, for number one all-time sack record for the Denver Broncos. Fantastic, right? He's running you know, down the field, and everybody's celebrating. The stadium's rocking. You could feel the, the joy. You could feel the excitement. You could feel the energy in the stadium. They punt the ball, and on the very next offensive play, 
Case Keenum does what Case Keenum does, and he throws an interception. And it was at that exact moment that if you didn't know the Broncos were going to lose the game, then you hadn't watched a Denver Broncos football game all season because that was the moment that you knew that they were going to lose the game. And and that's really that's the one big takeaway is that in all of this, in in all of the the moments, in all of the, you know, in in all of the 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 plays that take place, in the big moments, the Broncos come up small. The coaching staff, the players, the quarterback they come up small. Not not on defense. I think the defense comes up big. They were playing with like three guys that they pulled from the stands in the secondary and uh, there was a, a kid out there with his mom who was who was going to return kicks, I think. I mean, they were injured on, on on the defensive side of the ball and they still only gave up 17 points. This offense comes up small. These coaches come up small. Their quarterback shrinks. He comes up small. In those big moments. And there is nothing that defines Vance Joseph more than his gutless decision to kick a field goal on fourth down. That's gutless. That is extremely gutless. And as those who listened to the postgame recap last week, where I said, if you know, if it's an opportunity for Vance Joseph to challenge, he won't. And if it's an opportunity for Vance Joseph not to challenge, he will. It's the same thing with going for points and going for it on fourth down. When he shouldn't go for it, he does. Or when he when he shouldn't go for it, he does. When he needs to go for it, he doesn't. Case in point was tonight. He should have gone for it. And after the game... He said that he had faith and trust in his defense. No, if you did, you would have gone for it on fourth down because then you would have made the Browns go the entire length of the field with four minutes left. Buried on their side of the field, on the loud part of the stadium. Because everyone knows, ever since Old Mile High, the last place you want to be at, at Old Mile High or the new one, is in the north part of the stadium. And Vance Joseph doesn't know that because he doesn't know football one-on-one. He doesn't know situational football. He doesn't know anything about football. And he needs to be gone. He needed to be gone in January of this year. But John Elway decided to sleep on it. He can't sleep on it. No more sleeping. When the Broncos show up to work on Monday to get ready for the Oakland Raiders, Vance Joseph cannot be the head coach. He cannot be the one to address the media on Monday. It needs to be an interim head coach. I will go with Tom McMahon. But it needs to be anybody but Vance Joseph. He cannot be in this facility anymore. He is an anchor that is bringing this organization down. He's sinking it. And I have had enough of it. I don't want to see this anymore. I had enough after January of last year, after what I saw in Miami. I don't want to see this anymore. Yeah. I I mean, here's the thing. They kick a meaningless field goal there. And, and I said this to you before we started. 
Is there a better metaphor for the 2018 Denver Broncos than kicking a meaningless field goal at the end of a game when you know you have to score a touchdown and instead you kick a meaningless field goal? That that sums up the 2018 Denver Broncos perfectly to me. They are a meaningless field goal at the end of a football game. So as you can probably gather, two my losers are pretty predictable. I had three of them in my winner's loser story after the game. Vance Joseph, Bill Musgrave, Case Keenum. And the thing that perplexed me about Case Keenum is they have a first down at the 50-yard line with about a minute left. Why did he spike it? Yeah, you know what? That's I don't know. I think sometimes you spike it there to, to allow the offense to kind of get up to the line to 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 what you do at least the way it looks is what you do in that situation is you call the next two plays at minimum you know what you're going to run on second and third down or on second down and then if you pick it up second and then first down but whatever you do you call you're you're calling the next two or even three plays there hey this is what we're doing we're going to do this this and this and i guess i'm kind of okay with that why not? Ha- why didn't they have the, that play ready to go already? See, I feel like what the the buildup to that spike, they should have already had a play in before he spiked the ball. They should have had that second play ready to go. It was almost like they got to the fifty, and then they rethought what they were going to do, and so they spiked the ball, which shows that they didn't have any confidence in what they were doing anyway. And again, that just goes back to the fact that they didn't have any confidence in what they were doing. Period, through the entire game. The offense had zero confidence in what it was doing. And it was so obvious what the Browns wanted to do. The Browns wanted to stack the box and stop Phillip Lindsay. He is the only weapon that any team needs to worry about when they play the Denver Broncos. You stack the box, you go man-to-man on the wide receivers, you make Case Keenum beat you. And you know what? He won't. Case Keenum comes up small. And he came up small against the Browns in a game that the Broncos really... Sh- if you look at what that defense did, even with all the injuries, even with all you know, losing a player to an ejection, and they still only ha- only gave up 17 points. I-, I mean, they should have won that game. A better quarterback wins that game. A better head coach wins that game. I'm not better even saying coordinator. I'm not even saying a lot better. Just a just a little bit better. Just a, just a smidge better, and you win that game. But they couldn't. They couldn't get it done. And they were afraid to make the big play at the end. And it cost them. It meant, it meant instead of losing by four, they lost by one. That's essentially what that meant. That is what that field goal did. And, and to me, that's the one that's going to that's gonna drive me the most insane. Is, is that field goal. The choice to kick that field goal. The choice to never once try and throw it into the end zone from first and goal at the eight-yard line. Not once did they try and throw it to the end zone. Hand off to Lindsey, hand off to Lindsey, hand off to Lindsey, field goal. What? Really? That was your choice there? That was the decision you made? Get out of here with this. Well, that reminds me of the the first and goal against the 49ers last week where Bill Musgrave threw it four times. Right. (laughs) Not even one run? So now he doesn't throw it at all, runs it three times. I I mean, it's just it's one or the other. It's like they don't realize that you don't have to 
you don't have to go heavy one way and completely forget about the other in those situations. But that's because they don't know situational football. They are so bad at this. I cannot believe I'm about to say this, but Greg Williams outcoached Vance Joseph. How in the hell is that possible? Well, I, I, I will tell you how it's possible. And, and we just talked about it. Greg Williams knew the only player you have to stop is Philip Lindsay, and the team falls apart. So if you can stop the run, and it and it's not just Philip Lindsay, it's Royce Freeman, it's it's Devontae Booker. If you can stop the run against the Denver Broncos, and yes, that's primarily Philip Lindsay, then you can stop their offense completely. It can be totally shut down because everything that the Broncos do is predicated on the run. And that's okay if you can still pass the football. If when teams key on your running game and stack the box and go man on the end, on the ends against your receivers, you can still throw the football and get yards and get points. But they couldn't. They could not. And let's let's not let the offensive line off the hook. They did not play a very good game for the second game in a row. And so perhaps the that the the three game sort of magical experience that we were having with that offensive line has finally caught up with them and they are they are what they actually should be which is not very good because of all the injuries and so the offensive line didn't play well either they were not creating holes for Philip Lindsay they were not protecting Case Keenum they were they were not playing well and so there was no answer he had zero answer Case Keenum had no answer Musgrave had no answer Joseph had no answer there was no answer. And so Greg Williams just kept doing what he needed to do, which was stack the box, blitz, stack the box, blitz, we win the game. Fantastic. Embarrassing. It's embarrassing. It really is. But it wasn't all bad because, as you mentioned, Von Miller became the Broncos' all-time sack leader in franchise history. He now has 98 sacks. But what was even cooler about all of it is that Fletcher was in attendance and delivered a message to Miller on the video board. But on top of his sack, Miller had two tackles, one tackle for loss and one quarterback hit. But like I said, the coolest thing was the message that Simon Fletcher delivered to Von Miller. And this was what his message was. It is my great pleasure to congratulate you on setting the new benchmark as the Denver Broncos is reigning leader for, for quarterback sacks. I can think of no one more deserving of this honor. It goes without saying that your work ethic, your commitment to the Colorado community, the way you both prepare for and play the game makes all who've ever worn the orange and blue extremely proud to have you as a teammate, brother, and friend. I look forward to watching you play for years to come as you add excitement to each Broncos' contest. So not only is that cool, Hopefully it ends this nonsense of people bringing up this ridiculous notion that the Broncos should trade Von Miller. Yeah. (laughs) That stuff has been brought up so much that even when I was (laughs) talking earlier, I was like, I am not, I'm not saying we should trade Von Miller. I'm just saying we need a good quarterback. That's all I was saying. So yeah, we don't need to trade Von Miller. You know, the other one, can can we talk about Bradley Chubb? I mean, he's, he got another one, didn't he tonight? Another sack? He didn't get a sack. I thought he got one. Did I miss something? Yeah, you did. He did not get a sack. Well, wishful thinking. 
He did, but I think it was brought back because of a defensive holding. Oh, that's what it was. That's why my brain was all excited, and then I didn't, I didn't connect the two. But yeah. we did get some chub on chub crime. We did. We got a little. We got a little sword fighting. So we that didn't was get good. A lot of it. It Not just a lot. Once. Yeah, just the one. But hey, you know, you you got to see it. Congratulations, you got to see it. Um, the I, other the other winner, I, I, I had a couple of other winners. Yep. I obviously Adam Godsis. He played a hell of a game. Yes, he did. I mean, it, he made the game-saving play on fourth down to even give his offense the chance to win the game. But he finished with six stack, uh, six tackles, a strip sack, one tackle for loss, and one pass defended. Hell of a game by Adam Gossis. And it showed why Bill Kolar wanted him in the first place in the draft. We're finally starting to see Gossis come into his own, I think. Oh, yeah. DeMonte Thomas is another winner. He mm-hmm. recorded his first career interception. Anytime you do that, you make the list. Thomas finished with three tackles and one pass defended. Brandon McManus is another one. Without his three field goals, this game wouldn't have been close. Though, as we've already discussed, it's the last one he made that's the biggest issue. But I think the biggest winner of all of it, and he didn't even play in the game, was Al Wilson. To see him back on the sideline for the Broncos, to see that bridge starting to get mended and that relationship starting to get repaired is an awesome sight because I, I covered the Broncos when Al Wilson was playing. He is as fierce a competitor as I have ever covered or been around. He was the leader for those defenses. He should be in the Broncos ring of fame. So hopefully that's the next step of him being the honorary captain for Saturday's game. It would have been a hell of a lot better had they won the game. But to see Al Wilson back on the sideline, standing next to Peyton Manning and with John Elway is a great sight because to have him not around, it, it, it didn't feel right. And hopefully that also leads to other fences being mended, namely a certain defensive lineman who played for the Orange, the Orange Crush who I know is kind of like a dirty name since he played for the Raiders, but Lyle Alzado. I think it would be great to not just put Al Wilson in the ring of fame, but to do so alongside Lyle Alzado. That would be really cool, but that's just me. Yeah, you're uh, you're you're big on Lyle Alzado, and I, I understand your your affinity for him, and I, I, I'm kind of with you on that. I, I think he, he means a lot to the Denver Broncos, but I also think uh, just – to be fair, he um, he didn't have a lot of love for the Broncos after he left, and 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 now that he's passed, you know, it's, it's hard to mend fences when somebody is no longer uh, no longer with us. You know what I'm saying? And so that that's a trickier one, I think. And he didn't have a lot of nice things to say about uh, the Denver Broncos organization because they traded him and, and got rid of him, and he felt uh, sort of cast aside and things like that. And then he went to the Raiders and became sort of a superstar with the Raiders and um, he really he he really sort of bought into that but if, if they could figure out a way to to bring him back into the fold somehow I think that would be great uh, I actually you know I was lucky I, I do the, the 760 posts on uh, on Thursday and Al Wilson happened to be on first and 10 at 10 with uh, you know Mace and, and Edwards and and uh, the great Steve Atwater and I got to I got to write that up and and it did feel it felt really good to have L Al Wilson sort of back in the building. Right. Um, 
I mean, he was he was the heart and soul of that defense in the early 2000s. He was the the team captain. They voted him team captain his second year with the team. I mean, that's that's a big deal. You knew how great he was, and if if he hadn't had some of those injuries, which are sort of what led to his uh, fallout with the franchise, he probably would have been more than just a a, a ring of famer, but possibly a, a, you know consideration for the Hall of Fame because he was a great middle linebacker. I would say he was probably the best middle linebacker the Denver Broncos had had since, dare I say, Randy Gratishar, and they haven't had a good one since, or they haven't had one of that caliber since. So, uh, yeah, great to have Al Wilson in the building. Great to have him at the game. I, I wish they would have got the win for him. He deserved it. Uh, he he put in his he put in his time with the franchise, and he's a he's a fan favorite, and deservedly so. That linebacking core when he was there. Do you remember? how good that linebacking core was in the early 2000s when it was John Mobley, Ian Gold, Al Wilson. I mean, that was that was a solid that was a solid core. It really was the good old days. But that brings us back to where we are now. Not so the good old days. <laughs> where do the Broncos go from here? Where where does Broncos country go from here? Because Von, I, I, in my opinion, we Von Miller set the the Broncos all time sack record, so he passed a guy that we both grew up rooting for, and Simon Fletcher. Oh yeah, one of my favorites. It would have been nice for Bradley Chubb to get his sack, so he still sits three away. Three sacks in two games is going to be kind of a, a tough task. It's but doable, but it's it's not. It, it's the Raiders. The Raiders are horrible, so if he can get two against Carr and that horrible Raiders offensive line, he has a chance. So that's what I'm going to be pulling for. And I I think coming into this game, Philip Lindsay was, what, 33 yards short of 1,000? Yeah, so he now he's 32 with... yards short of 1,000. <laughs> Sorry. I think he had 24 yards, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he had 24 yards. So he's about, what, like 9 or 10 nine or yards 10, away? Yeah, something like that. So he'll, be, he'll be the third undrafted running back in NFL history to do that, and he'll be the first – Broncos rookie running back to do that since Clinton Portis. So those those will be the two things that I'm rooting oh, for, yeah. aside from Vance Joseph being fired. Yeah, you know, I'm with you on that. Those are really the only things to look forward to at this point. I, I, the path to the playoffs is essentially closed. Um, there's There's very little chance, I think, that they beat the Los Angeles Chargers, just because the Chargers will be playing a meaningful game. I think they're going to be playing for playoff position, and that's going to be a difficult one to win, and I think they're going to want a little revenge. And at that point, how many of the Denver Broncos are going to be checked out uh, by you know week 17, knowing that their season is over for all intents and purposes? So, yeah, I think at this point you're, you're rooting for those individual accolades you want to see Philip Lindsay reach that thousand yard mark. You want to see Bradley Chubb get that rookie uh, sack record. Uh, I, I would like to see he and Von Miller end up as the uh, the highest sack duo in the NFL. I think that would be uh, a nice feather in their cap as well. It would be sort of a a shout to the rest of the league that look, you're going to have to deal with this for the next few years. Good luck. You know, I mean, not a lot of teams are going to want to face the Denver Broncos with that type of pass rush. So that's. There are some things to look forward to. They're just it's just not the playoffs. It's not a chance at a Super Bowl and it's it's 
it's it's hopefully a a, a new head coach, right? A, a new a new coaching staff, um, and and a new beginning for this for this franchise. I I'm not sure where you go at the quarterback position though. How much longer can we um, have the did you, did you catch Mike Tirico uh, talking about Case Keenum considers himself a gunslinger still? Did you catch that? What kind of gun is it? It's a apparently it's a gun that is bent in some way, and so it doesn't actually fire. And the firing pin mechanism is out, and there's no chamber, and it's a it's not a gun. It's just his hand and a and a finger. It's like a little thumb and finger thing. And when he shoots it, it goes pew pew pew, and that's it. And it's just it's just not very good. He makes the sound effects when he fires. He does. It. I think he does. He goes pew pew. Well, then, yes, he's a gunslinger. Like a gunslinger. It's just all in his imagination, I suppose. Uh, he's that gunslinger that gun, calls, if, he calls he's people out. What is Kyle Orton? Uh, you know, I will say this. I uh, I referenced Kyle Orton in my article for tomorrow just because it it felt like watching Kyle Orton. I mean. Without the beard. Without the beard. That's right. I call. I, I think I called uh, Keenum Orton Light. Yeah, I mean, if Case Keenum is a gunslinger, then I, I Kyle Orton's rocking a bazooka. Yeah, I mean, he's a bazooka slinger. That's a RPG guy. I don't know. Just, the, uh, thing that, the thing that's going to make it difficult is the contract. Yeah, it, it, it's not it's not compatible to release him or move on from him. So I maybe if he can get a new coaching staff in here, and you can get an offensive coordinator who has any semblance of the fact that he's an offensive coordinator. Cause I still don't think Bill Musgrave knows he's the offensive coordinator. We joked about, Oh, we made um, fun of poor Rick Dennison. Like it was our job. All the time. Yeah. But if we made fun of Rick Dennison, he won a super bowl. Yeah, it's true. We did win a super bowl. We do. We need to retract some of that. Should we, I think we do. Oh my, I don't think I want to. He was still pretty terrible. I mean, it doesn't change that he was awful. It just, just I, but that shows you how bad Bill Musgrave. Is. Oh my goodness, he. You know what? I think he knows he's the offensive coordinator, and I think that's the problem. Rick Dennison had a had an excuse. He didn't know what his job was because you know Gary Kubiak's a head coach and he's a offensive coordinator as well. And you know what is his job? So what is his job? Who knows? Whereas Bill Musgrave is the offensive coordinator. He knows what his job is. He's just terrible at it. No excuse. Which makes it worse. Yeah, there's no excuse there for him. He's just bad at it. I think the other thing that we do from here on out is continue to root for the Chiefs to lose. Yeah. Because they've already started the choking that they do in January. Yeah. They just started it a couple of weeks early. The January choke job. I mean, that, that was a tough lot. And kudos to Anthony Lynn, who has ties to the Broncos and Mike Shanahan. Yep. Vance Joseph wouldn't have done that. No, he would have kicked a field goal there. Or taken a knee. <laughs> well, he's not John Fox. That's not fair. He would have, John Fox would have kicked would have kicked the extra point. Vance Joseph never would have had the chance to kick the extra point because he would have kicked a field goal and then tried to let the defense win the game, even though there was no time left on the clock. I had a lot of faith in my defense. There's he four seconds left. There and expected Ooh, it to that is a that is a late mark for that to enter the game, but I, I well done. I, uh, I, I didn't, I didn't see that coming at all, out of nowhere. 
out of nowhere. Well done. But those who didn't see it, at the end of the Thursday night game, the Chargers score a touchdown at the end of the game with like four seconds left or whatever it is. Yeah, four seconds on the clock. An extra point would have tied the game. Anthony Lynn and Phillip Rivers decide to go for two. They get it, win the game. Now that takes balls. That's what a coach who has confidence in his football team looks like. Oh, yeah. Not the continued, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm a deer in the headlights. I'm in way over my head. What am I doing on the sideline of the Denver Broncos? Vance Joseph look. Right. You know, that game was interesting, though, because the Chargers were in a really interesting spot there. If they win... That advances their playoff position, and they know that they can. if they continue to win, there's a chance that they can actually slide into that home field advantage spot as the number one seed because they beat the Chiefs, and then the, the Chiefs falter again, boom, they slide right into it. Whereas if they lose, they know they're going to be the wild card anyway. They know they're probably going to get... Uh, you, you know, they're going to be in the playoffs, so it doesn't matter if they win that game or not. That game actually ends up being a throwaway game for them because of their playoff position win and they move forward and they get, you know, possibly a higher status in the, you know, a higher seed in the playoffs lose. And they're in the same spot that they were in before the game even started and they can't get any worse. So what do they care? So it was actually sort of a, it was a freebie for them. I I give them all credit for saying, you know what, this one's a freebie. Let's do it. Because there are a lot of teams out there that wouldn't have done it, even though it was a freebie. They would have said, "Let's kick the field. Let's kick the extra point. Let's get into the overtime and see if we can win there." They said, "No, let's just win it now. Let's go home. Let's be done. We're either going to win or lose, but we're going to be done, and it doesn't matter one way or the other." And I, I, I you got to give them credit for that because Vance Joseph would have been one of those guys that would have kicked the extra point rather than go for it because he would have, he wouldn't have, he wouldn't even known that it was a throwaway. You know what I'm saying? He wouldn't have known the situation. He has no idea what he's doing. Did you catch uh, what Jess posted in uh, Slack about if you Google Vance Joseph? One of the image search searches that pops up is confused. Vance Joseph confused look. So so it's like he even Google knows that guy doesn't know what he's doing. Well, everyone else does. Someone should get the memo to John Elway. But the thing about the Kansas City Chiefs is – now, what looked like the, to be a lock to have home field advantage, they now go on the road to the Seattle Seahawks. Mm. That's a tough game. And I don't think the Chargers are going to lose the rest of the season. They they host Baltimore, and then they go on the road to play the Broncos. And Phillip Rivers loves playing in Denver. And if that if that's a game to, to get them hold home field advantage, even though it really won't be a home field because whoever they play will outnumber the Chargers fans at that 28,000 soccer stadium, but it would be poetic justice to see the Chiefs be at the top of the AFC the entire season and then in the last three weeks become the Chiefs and become a wild card team. They transform into the Chiefs. (laughs) I'd like to see that. It would be fun. I, I hate that it means we have to root for the Chargers, but I guess if I had to pick one, I'm not picking the Chiefs. So, yeah, I'm with you. Let's let's roll with that, I suppose. Man, this has been just an awful football season. <laughs> has Vance Joseph been fired yet? No. You know what? I'm going to check Twitter. Maybe maybe John said something. Uh, no, I don't have anything here. No. 
No, nothing worthwhile. It's rough. It's rough. It really is. You know, I think the one, one of the last things we have to look forward to is the coach search. You know, I, 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 actually, let me let me ask you this, and this might be a question for for next time, and maybe it's it's something that we can think about, because you talked about Case Keenum and you talked about his contract when they signed Case Keenum. They signed him to a two-year deal. Now, in my mind, that's a bridge contract, right? That's a contract that says, hey, we're bringing you in, but we've got a young guy coming up, and we want to see how the how this goes, and we want to bring him along. And so we're going to bring along this young guy. You're going to be the starter for, for two years. In that second year, you may not start. You may end up being the backup towards the end of the year, but we're moving on from, you know, we're moving this young guy in. Here's your two-year contract for $36 million. Thanks for coming and helping us out. The Broncos don't have the young quarterback that is the bridge to, you know what I'm saying? There is there, It's a bridge to nowhere at this point. So what do the Broncos do, right? I think that's, a, that's something that you have to start really considering in the offseason. Case Keenum is clearly not the answer. He might be the right bridge, but if you build a bridge out into the middle of the ocean and you just drive off the edge of the bridge into the ocean, cars don't float in water. So what is the plan? And that is the problem. I think that's going to be the real issue as we move forward here, watching the Denver Broncos try and figure out the quarterback situation. Again. I, th- I think the what will give everyone the best indication of what John Elway could potentially do at quarterback is what he does at head coach. Because, I, I mean, at this point, they have to move on from Vance Joseph. Whether or not he's at the Monday news conference, he needs to be gone regardless after these next two games. But the path he chooses for his replacement, if he goes with a guy like John Harbaugh, if he's available, or if he goes with the next wonderkind Sean McVay or Matt Nagy, will give you an indication of what, he's thinking for his franchise and what he needs to do at quarterback. Yeah. And that's something that we can talk about on Tuesday when we preview the meaningless Christmas Eve game against the Raiders. Oh, Christmas Eve, the day before Christmas. That's really all I had to say about that. It's just, it's the day before Christmas. You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, go Broncos. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation. And I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain or i don't know maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a major league baseball park check it out and if you like it tell a friend i'm spencer hall don't do anything smart <laughs>